Welcome one, welcome all to the Snail Trail 4x4 podcast. If you like going off-roading in Toyotas, wrenching on Toyotas, camping in Toyotas, and maybe even poking a little bit of fun at Toyotas, and of course, hearing about how awesome fuel does not like to stay in Toyotas, then this is the podcast for you. That's right, ladies and germs, my name is Tyler. And this is episode 263 of the Snail Trail 4x4 podcast. And joining me once again is the crowd favorite, the one that everybody loves and adores, Mr. Jimmy Jet. Mr. Jimmy Adorable Jet, how are you? (laughs) I am doing fan-freaking-tastic. Thanks for asking. How about you? I'm doing pretty good as well. Yeah? Yeah. I'm Um, glad to hear that. I'm a little frustrated, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Did we ever get uh, some stickers or t-shirts made that say the best off-road podcast? Uh, No, not yet, but we Mm. did have the, um, our local designer drew up a a goat snail (laughs) image. (laughs) That's right. I totally forgot about that. That was a little creepy. It was a little creepy. (laughs) But made me laugh at the same time. Um yeah, we'll have to we'll have to make get that one out there somehow. Um so yeah, welcome to episode two sixty three, man. Thank you. It's, I'm happy to be here. Um, yeah, you're happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. It's yeah. a it's a good it's a good happening today this week. Um, are you getting ready and uh, everything all good to go for hammers? No. Oh. Okay. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting ready. I'm working on it, but yeah. well, slowly. But I mm-hmm. yeah, I've been pretty. I'm pretty freaking swamped with everything in life going on right now, and I haven't had much time, and I'm sure that's a lot of people's excuses as well. So Yeah, absolutely. The hashtag race prep is not going too well on the snail trail front. Um, somebody did tag us in uh, an Ultra 4 Jones post. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, apparently Ultra 4 Jones is selling his old chassis. Oh, yes, I saw that. And uh, a bunch of axles mm-hmm. <laughs> and a bunch of spare parts for like $5,000. I know. And I, I I, was I was really close to the sending shots him a right check. there are worth it. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, the coilovers alone. I mean, the axle, one of those axles alone was worth it. Like, yeah. so. Um, was it both axles? I think it was two axles and a housing. So really? three housings total and then two yeah. axles and, and enough spare tires part. and wheels mm-hmm. and then uh, the coilovers mm-hmm. and then the chassis. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All was... it needs is an engine and transmission T case <laughs> and drive shaft. So, um, yeah, I was really close to, uh, somebody tagged us and said, Oh my God, the podcast should go together and make a, a podcast 4,800 car. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I know <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if it would get tech to the, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that chassis would go would would pass USAC right now. So yeah, I'm not um, sure what the deal with that is. Yeah. I mean, it was grandfathered, but I don't know how that falls into line anymore. Yeah, I think they're taking out all the grandfathered stuff because they're just not safe up to today's standards. So um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. Anyways, if I don't know if he's sold them yet, I haven't followed up, but if anybody wants a screaming deal on some parts, um, hit up ultra four Jones. So, uh, let's see. Um, we have some fun info to get into for you guys today. We have some winners to announce. Yes, we do. Um, we have some birthdays to announce 
And uh, we have uh, uh, quite a few shenanigans that I've been up to, and we'll see how what Mister Shenanigans over there on the the snail trail casting couch has has been up to. So, <laughs> <laughs> you ready to to rock and roll and get into this? I am ready. All right, I'm copying jokes. Oh, you're <laughs> you're joke searching is what you're doing over there. Gotcha. Um, didn't anybody tell you not to do research on recording time? <laughs> yes. One person, <laughs> one person did. And he's uh, looking at me very sharply right yes, now. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, let's do, let's do, uh, some fun stuff. Let's get into some giveaway winners. Okay. Because yeah. we are officially beyond the one week after the deadline of the gear wrench king of the hammers vip trip yes we are so that means that we get to pull our winners and we have 10 wieners for everybody today we do we uh Mm -hmm. use the random number generator we had 52 entries 52 yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. uh a bunch of few people entered six times and then a Mm -hmm. few people entered a few times and a lot of people entered once Mm -hmm. but all that accounted to 52 total entries yep and then we had 10 winners Mm -hmm. and they are they are in, uh, I guess, the order of entry based on... Received. We, yeah, order, order received, because I'm just going to go down the list after we highlighted the winners. Uh, Mr. Martin Medina is a winner number one. Uh, Nathan Gerber is winner number two. Winner number three is Sergio Rodriguez. And then we have Anthony Lopez, Sean Spaghetti, <laughs> Carlos, sorry, I just uh, that's a funny name. Uh, Sean, Mr. Spaghetti, uh, Carlos Marquez, Riley Mayo, Andrew Pike, Ryan Redenbog, and Mike Klein. Awesome. Congratulations, yeah. everybody. Yeah, so we will be reaching out to you guys via the email that you used to uh, submit your entry. So pay attention to those emails. Uh, we have. God, what do we have? The those things, right? The I bolt believe. biter nut drivers, or what was it? I think we have those, and then we have some screwdrivers. Gotcha. Like five of each. Cool. Uh, so the first five of you we talked about will be getting the one, well, or, one or the one other. or the other. The other five <laughs> will get the other one. <laughs> yeah, the other ones of the other. Perfect. Um, and then everybody who entered, all fifty-two of you, will be getting a cute and adorable little. Um, what is it? A quarter inch drive uh, a ratcheting, ratcheting keychain. Yeah, <laughs> it's a quarter inch drive ratchet socket. Uh, that's a keychain. So well, it's not a socket, it. but doesn't it hold sockets? Quarter drive? No. Yeah, they're uh, box end wrenches. Oh, they're like a ratcheting <clears throat> wrench. Gotcha. Okay, I thought they were uh, socket ratchets. Um, cool. That shows how much I've been opening them up and looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, huge shout out and thank you to gear wrench for uh, playing along and um, doing something cool for the listeners yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be getting those guys out to you. Everybody here on the list, uh, pay attention to your emails because we do need a shipping address from you. So if yeah. we don't have one already, because you didn't submit it with your submission, then uh, we'll be reaching out to you for emails for shipping addresses. Um, let's see. Uh, birthdays. Birthdays, birthdays, birthdays. I know we have some. Do we, we have any voicemails? Do. No voicemails no today. Voicemails. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah. There's a button for that I somewhere. <laughs> it's, I can't You're reach too, it. You're too lounge in the back. <laughs> Oops. 
There it is. There you go. With the heel, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the heel assist. We don't need hands here. Um, let's see. So one year birthdays on the snail trail four by four patron account. We have three. Trace. Trace. Mr. Dave Kurak. Awesome, Dave. Thank you. Mr. Ed Snyder. Ooh, thanks, Ed. Appreciate it. And none other than Samurai James himself, the one and only. I don't know if we can say thank you to him, though. No, I guess we, his new Samurai is almost more Toyota than anything else, though. It, it pretty much is. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> funny story about James. <laughs> I have to give him shit here. <laughs> Sorry, James. <laughs> but he, so he's uh, looking at trying to find a good set of um, one ton axles to put under the new Samurai. Okay. And I'm like, a you don't need those under the <laughs> under your samurai. But okay, um, if you want to do it, I will 100 support your spending habits. And uh, he sent me a link this morning to some Dana. Uh, sorry, not Dana. A Curry Rock Jock 70 axles. Oh my gosh! Uh, for four hundred dollars. Wow, that's not bad. Yeah, a set of them, front and rear, for four hundred bucks. Curry Rock Jock 70s. What's wrong with them? So I looked closer. I'm pretty sure they're RC axles. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I'll show you the the picture in a little bit. Dude, here. Some of those RC things are <laughs> so realistic. Yeah. Uh huh. They even have like like a third member, like the the carrier. You could pull out of them and replace yeah. them with open diffs or locked diffs yep. or whatever. And so it has pictures of the differential, you know, opened up in the carrier inside there, and it looks like a like a, a like. Uh, uh, like a like essentially like a lunchbox locker would right where the carrier just comes all out and you swap out the whole carrier. Um, but the ring gear just looks super freaking thin for a Dana 70 a okay and B the bolts that hold in the bearing caps are like as big as the pinion. <laughs> yeah, in, in size relativity. So I'm like these are RC axles buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> There's been times, man. I've looked at it and like, oh my gosh, look at that. And then I all dig into it. I'm like, uh, I think that's an RC vehicle. I did that for <laughs> tires one time. Yeah, I've done that too. <laughs> I was like, that like that's a really it. good price, screaming price for a set of trepidors, man. What's going on here? Right. I was like, oh, these are RC trepidors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like 44 centimeters or millimeters. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's like 44 t uh, tires and oh, 44 millimeters. Got it. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, yeah, I just had to, had to throw James under the bus there for a second. No. <laughs> it's all right, James. We still love you, buddy. We love you. And he's, he's, he's good about that but kind of not stuff. Not as too. much as we love lady samurai. That is true. She's yeah. definitely the better, the better oh, one. Yeah. Um, so let's see, uh, two year birthdays. Oh, we got a two year birthday. We have one. We got one. Two Uno, Uno for the month of January. It is Mr. James Claiborne. Oh, thanks, James. You got one of the best names ever. Eh, debatable. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not James adorable Claiborne, though. So no, no. I mean, yeah, there, you could have been a little bit improved, but you know, yeah. Um, anyway, so thank you guys, everybody there, you four individuals for, uh, supporting us for the, as long as you guys have, um, it just goes right back into, you know, getting support out to you guys for stuff. So thank you very much. And along with birthdays, we have another winner. Did we get to announce? We do Today's indeed. Full of winners. Man. No lucky people out there. Mm hmm. 
Snail Trail 4x4 podcast, the most winningest podcast on the internet. Or giving. Giving. The most giving podcast on the internet. There you go. Even no matter what those willing winners. Because we don't really win anything. No, that's true. We don't. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. (laughs) So anyways, we have a winner from December's giveaway. Yes, we do. So uh, December's giveaway was a winner's choice between a Morphlate or a snail armor. So Morphlate obviously being the multi-tire inflation deflation kits and snail armor being the tailgate inserts for how many models do you have now? Currently only, well, I have second gen and third gen Tacomas and then uh, the Tundras and I'm and it looks like the new Tundra is different. So I have second gen Tundras. Gotcha. Second gen Tundras. And then I know that you have how many other things kind of mapped out. You just Jeez. need to put into production. A essentially, lot. <laughs> A lot. And I need you have to... ZR2s pretty much ready to go. Second gen Forerunners. I, pretty yeah, much I drew ready to up go. ZR2s the other day. I have second gen Forerunners that I need to try out on a second gen Forerunner. <laughs> if somebody knows that where one is. Well, my tailgate doesn't open anymore, so you can't try mine okay, anymore. <laughs> so I need another second gen Forerunner. <laughs> yeah. Um I read I drew up the first gen forerunners after fitting it onto my buddy Dave's and it needs mm-hmm. some tweaks. Okay. Uh gladiators are like I just need the final prototype version to, to say okay, ready go. Yeah. Um, you, essentially you made um you made tweaks to the gladiator and you just need to retest fit to make sure that those tweaks fit. Are correct. So but yeah. they should be they should Pretty be, much ready to go. yeah, fingers crossed. They yeah. should be correct. Um, and then I'll get those in uh, the production lineup. I have also, I have on paper, I drew mm-hmm. up the new Ranger and the Raptor. Oh, geez. <laughs> which <laughs> nice. I haven't drawn up into the computer yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. So I was actually going to run over to the Toyota dealership and try to see if I can find a new Tundra. A new Tundra and get and draw those up yeah. also. Well, nice. So uh, we have a winner for that, for that option. Yes, we do. And it is who? It is McCoy. McCoy Ivy, Ivy. I believe. Or it's Ivy McCoy, one or the other. Yes. <laughs> From Uda, Utah. So. Uh, McCoy Ivy, uh, watch your email. We will be getting in contact with you to confirm your shipping address. Um in Utah and figuring out what you want and figure out what you want. Exactly. So, um, I think that does it for our winners today. Correct. Unfortunately, I think you're right. I'm trying we need to find a giveaway like this weird bag that I got. We have a a blown up Ford nine inch third member. We can, yeah, we can give that one away too. (laughs) start giving away the broken parts (laughs) in the the studio. (laughs) Like why was shipping $75? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you get to win a Ford nine inch. That's destroyed. Use Mm -hmm. a winner pay shipping. So, um, (laughs) let's see. (laughs) Yeah, I think that does it for all the winners, uh, that we have to announce this episode here. Um, let's see. What have you been up to, sir? I think that since that does it for all the background housekeeping stuff. stuff. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Uh, for the most part, I've been just trying to deal with um, a lot of snail armor products and snail armor orders. I officially mm-hmm. uh, sent an email out in regards to rusty screws. Yeah. okay. I think you got it. Did, did I? Get, did you get the email? I don't know. I, don't know. I think you're on Where, the list. Which email did you send it to? I have too many. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I ordered up like 2,000 stainless steel screws that have been zac- or black zinc coated. Nice. Okay. And 
Um, and then I sent out an email to everybody that subscribed to my email list mm-hmm. about, Hey, I know that the screws are rusting and I want to fix this mm. and I want to send you out screws. And I have about 140 people <laughs> that have ordered new <laughs> screws. So, wow. um, and then I've been busy, uh, with stuff in real life. I had a, a really good buddy whose mother passed and mm-hmm. uh, I went been out of town for a funeral for the mm-hmm. last few days. So now I've got to play catch up and start sending out people's screws Yeah, and printing all the labels and everything that, you know, packaging and mm-hmm. everything that goes into that. So that's going to take a bunch of time up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's for the most part, that's, I've been dealing with a bunch of that stuff and then getting products out and uh, but on Saturday, uh-huh. uh, I took sort of a day to, to play mm-hmm. and, uh, hustle nuts came over because he had a little snafu with, uh, products that he ordered uh. and he had some free time. <laughs> and so he came over and we actually built, uh, or fabricated up a little table. Nice. And, um, yeah, we welded, uh, you know, some down posts and some cross posts and figured out how we wanted to attach this like one inch thick MDF piece of <laughs> like plywood or whatever it is. Oh, it's super heavy. Ply- and it, the plywood. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not MDF. I don't, I'm not quite sure what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of like big pieces of wood wood chippings that are particle all yeah board? kind of particle board I guess but not really particle I guess yeah maybe? but okay. then on the top it's also bent has like a very like laminate sheet on huh. top so okay it, it's like it's very similar to the counters in the shop gotcha okay I know what right? you're talking about composite board yeah okay I think yeah and <laughs> Anyways, so yeah. the one the <laughs> counters in the shop are seven eighths thick and this is one inch thick okay and it's um, so I I thought you were building this to be your welding table. No, this isn't the welding table. Uh, this is something because I'm having to rearrange the shop. I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out a good way to make a few things uh, that I can move around mm-hmm. and do snail armor products with and then move out of the way so I can work on rigs at the gotcha. same time. Okay. So I'm still in uh, playing with like a or little bit of organization of the shop layout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I uh, build up the welding well, welding station. Gotcha. Okay. But I think the welding station would be very similar to similar what setup. I just built. Yeah. Um, it might, I built it, we designed it to go on casters and, uh, and we're not quite sure that I, I didn't have casters. So we're kind of, we're guessing on <laughs> yeah. what that ended up being, but I think the welding table was just going to be on the ground. Okay. Yeah, it's not gonna. You're not gonna move that around. No. Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> I uh, was wondering. <laughs> I I don't know. I think it'd be nice to be able to move it around a mm-hmm. little bit, but I also am like, I mean, that tabletop that I got is one. It's a what? It's a one and a one. quarter inch thick. Yeah. <laughs> like two foot by four foot mm-hmm. table, and it's mm-hmm. yeah. There's no. I'm not even sure how I'm gonna get it off the little wheelie thing that it's on <laughs> to put it onto yeah. a table. But yeah, so I don't, so I, I am not worried about that. I haven't thought about that yet because mm-hmm. I'm wait. really, I'm waiting for the welders to come in yeah. to start attacking that project to gotcha. use that as a, you a know, project like, yeah. to get used to the welder. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. I figured you were waiting. I figured there's a lot of stuff you're kind of like pushing off and waiting on for the welders to come in. <laughs> I am to some extent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, finally, like doing some tack welding and buttoning up some of the rear suspension on Samantha I'm mm-hmm. waiting on. And then, um, I'm, I do have some welding that's going to happen on the front axle. 
mm-hmm. that I'm not necessarily waiting on. I can do a lot of work without it, but I just I just haven't attacked that yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we built out this little table, and it's pretty simple. I mean, it's just four posts that go up. We made a ton, um, like these. Li- we cut up some L channel or uh, angle, angle iron, angle iron, yeah, and then made it so that we just zip a screw through. Okay, and it was super funny. Husman was like. I would use uh, a number 14 screw, I think, to, you know, screw into this, uh-huh. you know, and I was like, I have like 2000 of those. <laughs> like, he's like, what? I'm like, I just bought 2000 black anodized <laughs> number 14 number screws that are one inch thick, yeah. you know, and it's funny because it's like the board is one inch thick and the screw that I have is one inch thick, but then, and then we countersunk the angle uh, iron so uh-huh. it like perfectly goes in and holds you know and doesn't <laughs> dimple the top at all yeah so yeah so it was uh you know i had the exact screw that he he was like this is what i'd use i'm like yep got it nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was funny so uh but i and then i've been gone for a few days out of town so i haven't been able to uh, button that together but mm-hmm. and really all i like we painted it it looks good. It, it does um, look good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taking a look at it <laughs> when I was over there stealing Clifford. Oh, okay. Or yeah. Stealing Clifford's key. Yeah. So. <laughs> key. Um, yeah. So you could break into Clifford. You could break into Clifford. That's yeah. what it was. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I want to, I'm, I'm not very good at flux core. Like I can't, mm-hmm. it's just, you can't see it as easily as you, you can with, yeah. um, you know, just normal MIG. So uh, there's some welds that are gummy wormed where I don't, where I want to slide things across. Mm-hmm. So even though I painted it, I want to grind down some of these spots, make them more flat and I make them flatter. Yeah. And then I'll probably paint those spots up and then I need to put the wheels on and then I'll put that on the ground and then I'll flip the table over and put it on. Cause I don't think I could flip the whole thing by myself <laughs> yeah. with, once I screwed it together. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm super stoked how it came out. Mm-hmm. We made it the same height as all the other counters in the shop. Oh, perfect. So, I, for whatever reason, if I need to put a long piece of metal out, I could actually wheel this over and, like, set something on one counter and have the wheelie table, yeah. you know, and somewhere slide else. Slide it so, on over to your yeah, wheelie table. Or, so, yeah. I can suspend it and set mm-hmm. it up. So, I think I was watching this uh, YouTube channel called like Garage Hacks or something like that mm-hmm. um, with uh, some Aussies. I don't know why I've been like <laughs> leaning towards Aussie YouTube <laughs> channels lately or something, but they were, they talked about how they set everything up in their shop on wheels and all the counters are at the same height. Oh, there like, you go. That both of those are extremely smart ideas. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so when we were trying to figure out how tall to make this table, I was like, well, there let's, you go. Let's make it the same height as the other counters in yeah. here. So, yeah. So that's nice. the really only slight fab thing to do. Okay. You know, and it was fun to see like how a Hussman's brain works, you know, at times. Through when, fabrication. Yeah. Of just, yeah. Creating something out of nothing. <laughs> well, not necessarily that, but just he, like he has these little tricks that like uh-huh. make it easier to get the project done where mm-hmm. I would be like sitting there and going like, how would I take, you know, tackle this? Mm-hmm. You know, like the one that I was, I'm thinking about is it, we made the base plates where the casters are going to attach to slightly larger than the posts. The posts are like three by threes Mm -hmm. and he made the, uh, the caps that go over like three and a half by three and a half. Okay. Uh, and so they, they hang over by a A quarter quarter of an inch. inch, Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well let's put this on the top and then let's measure out quarter inch and make sure that it's all a quarter inch out. And he's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, I want to make sure it's (laughs) fairly centered, Uh you know? And he's like, well, let's just do this. And so he grabbed, a piece of quarter inch plate uh-huh. and then another plate and he just 
we just uh, f clamped those to the three by three, and then lined up the edges, and with then the lined, quarter. and then we just, and they did that on two sides. So then uh-huh. when we just pushed the top plate onto the top of the the pole uh-huh. and shoved it into the corner, and it automatically set it a quarter inch apart, <laughs> yeah. right, or a quarter inch <laughs> offset. You yeah. know, and I'm like. That's so much smarter than yeah. me sitting here going like, oh, I need to tap it this way a little bit and I need to tap it this way a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and it even lines it up corner to corner mm-hmm. correctly, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then there, you know, when we were setting up the the beams that shoot between the legs, you know, you just mm-hmm. had tricks for that. You yeah. Know? And it's, it was just fun to work with the work with him and kind of learn, like watch how he does it and go like, that's really clever. I need to remember that for next <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, I think it came out great. It looks good. It does. It you looks know? really good. It'll uh, it'll look good. It'll be nice to be able to move it around in the shop and mm-hmm. do the work. And I'm going to get four casters that are locking so I can actually like set it up and lock it in place mm-hmm. instead of like two wheels that are fixed and then two wheels that can rotate that lock. Mm-hmm. I just think that'd be, it'd be nice to have it be easily to be fixed in one spot. Yeah. So, yes. Um, yeah, that'll work out really well. Um, one of some of my favorite tricks from Hussman is how to utilize, um, clamps to extend work surfaces kind of thing. So like when you were setting up the crossbars, yes, you would clamp, you know, set a, a, a plate clamp plate to another bar and use that as your work surface to level out the bar you're working on. Mm-hmm. And then you would clamp your bar to the plate that's clamped to your reference bar. Right. And then oh, um, got it and yeah. doing and doing that to like extend grounds for welding. Mm-hmm. So you 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 know clamp on a piece of plate or some flat iron to whatever you're trying to weld onto and use the flat iron as your ground. Right. <laughs> if you can't get a good ground and grip on ground on stuff. So yeah, um, extending work surfaces. I don't know how to how else to describe it. By yeah. Clamping plate to things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> There was a time when, so I was making a crossbar between some of the, um, between some of the other, so there was a bar that went between the legs and Mm -hmm. then I made a crossbar that went between that, that bar. Mm -hmm. And if it was me, I think I would try to hold the bar up in spot Uh and then put the clamp like halfway on each bar Uh so that it holds it self in the position of where the bar is, but then also holds the one that I'm going to want to weld yeah. up. Yep. Right. And he's like, you're, what are you doing? You're silly. <laughs> like, don't do that. And yeah. so what he does and what you were talking about is he'll grab a piece of flat plate. Mm-hmm. So I'm just flat iron and, uh, you know, and then you clamp the flat, you know, the piece of flat metal to the crossbar, and then you can just set the bar that you're working with on top of that metal plate that's and then sticking it's out. Level. And then it's level, and it's right, <laughs> yeah. and then you can move it side to side, yeah. but you don't need to worry about moving it up and down. Yep. Yeah, and it's, yeah, I'm like, oh, well, that's so much smarter than yeah. what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think these are just, you know, tips and tricks that you learn along the way and mm-hmm. by doing it and, you know, working in the field for so long. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like my fabrication skills are, you know, just beginning and I'm learning how to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, he's built his buggy and everything. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's has, you know, hours and hours and hours of experience over what I'm, you know, been mm-hmm. playing with. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's just, it's fun to be able to, when we work well together, right. Mm-hmm. But it's fun to work with them. And like, we can, most of the times we know what 
needs to happen so we can be like the step ahead of each other. Like he knows like, Oh, I'm welding, but then I'm going to need to grind it. So he's actually getting the grinder, you know, ready back together you, and yeah. putting the right, you know, brush on or mm-hmm. sander or whatever on that. I'm going to need while I'm finishing up welding, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'm like, okay, well now he's doing this. And what the next step is, is, yeah. you know, this other thing. So I can start doing that. And so we work really well and fluid together, but yeah, sometimes he's like, stop, <laughs> there's a better way to do this yeah, yeah. so <laughs> nice um so cool anything else other than getting a, a table almost fully built and ready to go and kind of streamlining because you did move around the shop quite a bit yeah i really like the way that the 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 new corner <laughs> yeah is laid out with the the pallet racking in there for the snail armor stuff yeah it's it's uh sort of i i'm not quite extremely happy with it because i do block off a bunch of shelving Mm -hmm. on the on one side with the big pallet racking but um i don't think it's to some extent it's temporary it's only like maybe two years temporary it'll probably be there for a while but i do like like i moved the gear wrench box out from that wall and Mm -hmm. i shoved it underneath and Mm -hmm. i think that cleans up that wall a lot even Mm -hmm. though i've got a bunch of clutter there right now (laughs) um yeah it does free up some space in mm-hmm. the shop. Um, and then I threw the other shelves on the backside of the press. Did you see that? Oh, I didn't. Huh. So between the pallet racking and the cleaning table, okay, we put shelves all the way over there. So oh. whatever those tall wooden mm-hmm. shelves were that were on the wall where the laser is sitting now, mm-hmm. those went all the way across the shop gotcha. between the cleaning table and the pallet racking Okay, where the press is, is like usually the press and the engine hoist are shoved against the wall. Uh-huh. Now those are the shelves are against the wall and the just those items are in front of it. Gotcha. So, okay. So there's still a bunch of shelving available. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just now in different spots. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I do, I think that that layout's going to do well. And mm-hmm. I like that pallet racking better than the ones, the Husky ones that I had, because mm-hmm. I can like, I'm sure you saw, I can shove the, instead of going long ways with my panels and it taking up pretty much a whole shelf. Yeah. I now can go perpendicular mm-hmm. and I can fit like five or six panels up. There. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's, yeah, that's, it's much better that way. And it's probably like a foot off the wall on the backside okay. so that I can um, slide things all the way back. Yeah. We'll extend the panel off the backside yeah. a little bit too. Nice. But yeah, um, I took a bare axle housing down to read at American stripping. Um, okay. And it was rusty and uh, pretty nasty and it's been sitting outside for years, mm-hmm. you know, and I messaged him the other day. I'm like, can you guys clean this? Like, <laughs> uh-huh. He's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> like, have, I know this is a sandblaster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Right. I was like, yeah. I know this is what you do professionally for big vehicles, but can you do this little thing? So, um, I'm not quite sure what he's going to charge me yet. I, he sort of was like, yeah, bring down a case of beer and I'll give it to the guy that does it. Uh, you know, but I, I'm, I don't, I want to pay for the time yeah. properly uh, yeah. for what he's doing. Like, don't give me a freebie for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm, I might be able to go pick it up after we record today. Gotcha. So we'll see. But that, I think I'm super stoked that he's able to clean it because I'm thinking I'm going to use that axle housing as Samantha's front axle. Yeah. And, uh, okay. that, and now I don't have to put my damn elbow grease yeah. into cleaning that <laughs> axle up. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I wanted to use that one. I have like, there's three axles, front axles in the shop right uh-huh. now. There's a, an, a housing that, uh, is empty, has nothing in it, just a bare housing mm-hmm. that already has 
front differential protection and the um, long gusset on mm-hmm. it. There's the axle that I stole from underneath um, Becky, Becky mm-hmm. which is fully complete mm-hmm. uh, and probably could run in theory. Uh, and so it has everything on it and it also has front axle housing protect or differential protection and the gusset on it and all the knuckles and everything are on there. But you know, the four bolts standard. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one's like bare. It's not, nothing's done to it. And that's, okay. I actually want that because yeah. I want to show how to weld the gusset on and I want to yeah. show how to weld the diff protection on mm-hmm. and I want to talk about those things. Yeah. Um, so these, I was looking at these other ones and I'm like, well, like they're already on there and I could just say, you know, in a video that, you know, I bought these axle housings and this is the way they came and mm-hmm. I would highly suggest welding on these, you know, the gussets and everything mm-hmm. on there. But I, you know, I, I already had this other housing yeah. you know, sitting outside. <laughs> Might as well show how it's done. If you, yeah, uh, if you have everything and that's you're ready what I'm to thinking. do it. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't necessarily need another housing, so I mm-hmm. might put it online. Okay. Um, I need one of the axles cause eventually I think I want to put it underneath Becky again mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe sell Becky as a roller or get it going one day. I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I don't, we'll see. Yeah. But right now I have more than I need. Gotcha. <laughs> Which is probably true with a lot of crap in that shop. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. Thanks. Anyways, oh, and that's pretty much all I've been doing the last few weeks uh, or week or so. Well, it keeps you busy. Keeps yeah. You out of trouble. So yeah, there yeah. was, uh, you know, I was, I had some time running pucks for more flate and did some more flate work and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, did a lot of snail armor stuff and, mm-hmm. and then yeah, family and, some um, friend stuff got in the way of yeah. nor- some normal day to day, but you know, it was, it was one of those things that, you know, it's, you just have to stop whatever you're doing and support your friends. There's definitely, there's definitely in times in life where certain things need to take priority over other stuff and yeah. figuring out, I think that life, in my opinion, is all about figuring out those priorities. <laughs> in a way, it is. Because you can, you can yeah. always fill up your schedule with whatever the hell you want to fill it up, whether it's video games or whether it's running a business. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, being able... It's kind of like a... a um, we've heard it from uh, Kevin Jones, Ultra 4 Jones. You know, he'll be sitting there working on the race car and doing other stuff or, or, you know, doing a video on something. And one of his girls will come up and be like, I need help putting my hair ribbon in. Yeah. And he goes, Oh yeah, no problem. Stops whatever he's doing. And it's, it's a matter of figuring out what are those priorities in life that need to take precedence at that time. Um, so one of my, uh, I don't know if he was a man in a way he was a mentor of mine, but Mm -hmm. it was the, he was the head swim coach. Uh, when I was, I was his assistant swim coach, right? Mm-hmm. And he always, uh, and we were coaching, uh, junior college kids okay. at this time, um, which, you know, they're college kids. Like yeah. they kind of should have <laughs> shit figured out, but they don't yeah. and they think they do, but yeah, they really they have really no know. idea. <laughs> yeah. And he, he explained it as, um, this, and he said, you have a jar and that jar uh, significant yeah. or, uh, is talks about your time of your day. Yep. Right. And then you have a bunch of rocks mm-hmm. of various sizes, mm-hmm. right. From a really big boulder that barely fits through the opening of your jar down to sand. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can only choose so many rocks to put into, into the jar, jar. Yeah. right. They won't all fit. Uh-huh. 
So you got and you so you've got to start with your big one because uh-huh. if you throw a bunch of little ones in there, then your big one won't fit. Uh huh. So you have to start with the big rock. So you set that big rock in, and then you start adding little rocks in mm-hmm. around the big rock, right? So the big one is, you know, something like family, mm-hmm. right? Or you know, something that's very important, mm-hmm. maybe work, something mm-hmm. you know. So you fit that in there, and then you fit the smaller ones, like oh, I really want to, you know, build my Toyota front axle. Okay, let's fit those yeah. rocks in. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you get down to the ones that have like tiny pebbles that you can sprinkle in between the big rocks. Got and then you 44 screws to get out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's more of a bigger <laughs> rock in my, in my world, but yeah. yeah. And then you have the sand, mm-hmm. right. That can fill in all the tiny cracks. And so you just like have eating to eating and sleeping. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you have to, you know, balance yeah. and figure out how to s- organize your life so that you can fit as much as you possibly can in that jar. Mm-hmm. But you can't start with the small things. Yeah. You have to start with the big things. Yeah. So, yeah. And I don't want to, I mean, semi another thing. I know you got a quite a vast list of things that you want to talk about, but, um, (laughs) I do want to say that the, the assistant went to this, uh, this talk and, uh, they were talking about friendships and, Mm. um, how to, and it was perfect, perfect alignment, right. For what I had going on in my life. But one of the things I really gained out, I wasn't there, but from her relaying what was discussed in this talk Mm -hmm. was that it's very important for us, like the assistant and I to show how to handle relationships with friends to the mini assistant. Ah, interesting. Right. You know, and the assistant was asking me like, do you remember your parents having friends? And I said, yeah, of course. Do you remember how they dealt with friends? I said, yeah, kind you know, for the most part, you know, Mm -hmm. but I, to me, my parents, I don't remember them having a lot of friends. Like I don't remember us going out and doing a lot of things with my parents' friends. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, but it was interesting to hear that like, you know, the mini assistant is looking at us Uh and how we deal with our relationships with our friends and then is going to relay that into her life with her friends. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was, and so then my buddy's mom died and, you know, and so he, you know, the assistant was saying like, it's very important that, you know, Jimmy is going to go and support his friend Mm -hmm. through this tough time, you know, and we were trying to use this as a learning thing for the mini assistant. Gotcha. As well as I needed to go help and support my buddy. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't, I did. And then when driving down with one of my good buddies, Jimbo, we started, cause he has two kids. We started talking on things along that line and it mm-hmm. was, it really hit home a lot of the things like I, I sort of took for granted mm-hmm. where it's like uh, what I'm doing is really reflecting on what the mini assistant is going to mm-hmm. see in life, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I knew that, but it, I don't think it hit ho- as much home yeah. as, uh, as after the conversation, as I realized you yeah. know, it does, but so it was, it was a very good weekend, both mm-hmm. for, you know, me and, you know, it was good to help my buddy and uh, be there for him and, mm-hmm. you know, with his loss. And so, That's good. and it was a good learning time. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm done. I'm off. <laughs> I'm off of that soapbox. What have you been doing? And please tell me good news. Um, I don't think I have too much good news at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Um, what? I did. I did want to, uh, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, but winter fun fest, which is, was supposed to be in like two days from when this episode launches is postponed. Yes. Until February. Okay. Because we, we got too much snow. We did. <laughs> it's the end of February, right? The end of February. Yeah. February 25, 26, 27 is the new dates for winter fun fest. Um, uh, but, uh, 
Jason and Chris over Willy Wine and Whiskey kind of alluded to it a little bit on uh, God, what episode was that? I think it was episode 138, their latest one, where they talked a little bit about how much snow the Sierra's got here, the Sierra Nevadas. Um, but they also did a great episode on 136 about um, kind of snow wheeling is here and things to think about and yes. consider with yeah, snow they did. wheeling. Very good. So I'd highly recommend everybody go listen to that episode. I don't want to, you know, get into repeating, you know, what you need to do for snow wheeling. Um, so um, go listen to that episode. But we did get a shit ton of snow in December. It broke the all time record did for, it really? for since records have been being kept for what for uh, Donner Pass for most snow ever most snow ever in 30 days in December in December. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the previous record was like 176 inches and I think it ended somewhere around 210, 215 inches. So it destroyed it. Um, so, you know, perspective wise, that's 200, 200 inches is what? Eight feet more. No, that's 96 inch 96. What? However many inches is 200. I can't do the math off top of my head. 10 feet. So 17, 18 feet. That's what I'm thinking. Missing. I was off by a digit uh, decimal. So I think it's a uh, 18 feet of snow in the December there that we got. Um, 17.5. There you go. Thanks, so Brian, <laughs> thanks Brian Murph to the rescue. So yeah, we got a shit ton of snow and uh, winter fun fest got uh, postponed because we got too much snow. Um, and so much snow came down at one, you know, a period of a week to two weeks there that it brought down a ton of trees and power lines throughout the Sierra Nevadas. Yeah, there's still people without power. There's still people without power. And we're recording on the 11th of January. And I think that storm, major storm rolled in the week after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So the week between Christmas and New Year's when that storm rolled in. So we're at two and a half weeks here. <laughs> Yeah, that people still don't have power up in some of the mountain cities, um, the Alta region off of Highway 80, um, Georgetown. There's some places still without power. There was a couple of residents still without power up in Georgetown. Pollock Pines Camino on the 50 side, a couple of residents still without power. But like PG&E didn't even come up to assess and start working on restoring power, I think, until like January 8th. Yeah, well, they couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't get, get up there. there. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't get up there, A, um, because of all the destruction of all the trees coming down and the bringing down power lines everywhere. Yeah, well, and Highway 80 was closed for a mm-hmm. chunk of those days, and Highway 80 almost never closes. No, I mean, when Highway 80 closes, you know that shit's happening. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main thoroughfare into California. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was um, really interesting um, because I run... Uh, the NorCal 4x4 rescue page. And we had a massive influx of requests for help, um, welfare checks. And the main issue was that a lot of people up in the mountain communities just couldn't get out of their houses to resupply themselves. So, um, the, you know, we had a lot of people, smart asses get on the page and say, Oh, you live up in a mountain community, but don't prepare for stuff like this and blah, blah. And it's like, no, they prepared, but like they can't get out of their houses <laughs> to to resupply, like and get supplies. So like a lot of these people, yeah, they repair the prepare for, you know, one, maybe two week, not two to three, four weeks of being snowed in. Yeah, sure. And, you know, it's like we didn't 
I mean, as much as we knew that the storm was coming, we didn't know that the storm was coming. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> like we didn't, like we knew it was going to be, oh, it's going to be a big storm. Okay. We've been through big storms before. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, damn. This is the, I mean, a record breaking of yeah. all time storm yes. hitting the mountains. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, they, I, I agree. I kind of at first was like, come on, you know, that yeah. storm's coming. You should, you know, prepare. You should have some food set aside. You should mm-hmm. get ready for the electricity to get dropped. You're probably used to that. Mm-hmm. But nobody's used to that for over like five days. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> right. like these days, you know, you're like, okay, power will be out maybe three up to three days. Mm-hmm. And then when it goes over that, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. That's no We fun. need to be able to get out and resupply. I, I had and, and, and. family friends that were outside of Nevada City mm-hmm. that they lost power. Mm-hmm. They were they have like solar panels and Tesla batteries in their walls, and mm-hmm. they burnt out of those super fast. Wow. And um, like they don't even last a day if you aren't recharging, you know. Well, A, a if they're not recharging, and B, in sub-freezing weather, yeah, batteries, batteries lose. Do, yeah, don't do well. 30, 40% life right, right after that. Yeah. So. And then they were running out of propane in their house Mm -hmm. and they were down so low that they weren't running the heater Mm -hmm. because they were only using it to cook food Mm -hmm. on their stove. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do you need me to come and get you guys? Yeah. Uh (laughs) You know, because they called my parents and were like, Hey, you know, like if, and when we get and drive out of here, can we come stay at your house for a while? Because we don't, the propane truck's not going to be able to get up here for like another week. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just, and so we aren't going to have heat and their yeah. house was down at like 43 degrees yeah. on the inside. Yep. And I was kind of like, that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> it's like snow camping. It'd be fun for like a day or <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we got a lot of calls exactly like that where, you know, we, the way in those situations we try and treat the page is there's, uh, search and rescue and county sheriff and fire departments, they have a lot more resources to, if they need to go and get somebody out of somewhere, they're going to go and get somebody out of somewhere. And, um, but we need to, you know, prioritize things, right? They need to have their priorities in order. And so they can't be spending all their resources right. going up and pulling a car who spun out on the road. They just need to get him out of a ditch. Um, they can't get up there and do that. And AAA and the tow services weren't going up into the area to do that either. So I was like, that's the stuff we can help out with. Right. Um, going and doing welfare checks to, you know, just check on somebody and see how they're doing. See if they need just a berm knocked down out of their driveway so they can get their cars out and go resupply or get a tree cut out of their neighborhood road so that the neighborhood can get out and go get supplies kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and so being able to take care of a bunch of the, the smaller issues that create bigger issues. I've got to say when the first time you said welfare check, mm-hmm. I would thought you meant like a welfare oh, check. and them a welfare check. <laughs> You're like they needed their welfare <laughs> oh, yeah. check so yeah. they could go buy their top ramen. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No. Yeah. Welfare check is just driving to somebody's house, checking in on uh, them, making sure they're alive. Yeah. Are you, are you <laughs> no still doing there. okay? Yeah. yeah. Right. So we, we had a lot of people that are like, yeah, we're it's 38 degrees in our house yeah. and has been that way for three days. Mm-hmm. And, um, and at that point we start looking at, okay, let's get you out of there. Let's get you down to the Valley. Do you have family in Sacramento? Do you have family somewhere else that we can take you to, um, where you're going to be safe and warm. And then they opened up warming centers. So we were then shuttling people out of their houses to warming centers. And, um, it was a really interesting way to see the page, not necessarily evolve, 
but see how the resource of the page was being utilized based on the community's needs. Yeah. Um, and then coordinating with search and rescue. So if we had a call come through, that's like, Oh, we have a, a lady up our road in our neighborhood that we know is like 89 years old. We haven't heard from her in two days. I'm like, okay, Hey, Placer County search and rescue. Let me get you on speed dial here and call them up. And be like, you guys should probably handle this one. Like they need someone to get in there now and check yeah. them. So it seems like, and if, for the most part, you needed snowmobiles. <laughs> it was a lot of snowmobiles um, yeah. just because trees are down everywhere. So the only way to kind of zigzag if and angle your way to the through the trees to get to locations quickly was on snowmobiles. Right. Um, but, you know, now that we've had two weeks here of decent weather now, um, things are back up and running. Um and uh, the page isn't in this emergency state. And yeah. I know that the the bunch of the counties up there got declared natural disasters mm-hmm. by the state governor finally. Um, but it's a big eye opener. Um, you look at the storm that rolled through and you look at some of the, and I don't want to get too political here because I was on the side of things where I'm like, yeah, let's electrify everything. Electricity is awesome. I love dealing with electricity. Um, and, uh, there's been a few bills passed that are going to eliminate, you know, two stroke motors. Yep. They're going to eliminate two stroke chainsaws. They're going to eliminate two stroke landscape equipment. Um, they're going to eliminate, uh, gas powered generators. Well, they're, yeah. And they're, they're not just two stroke stuff. They're mm-hmm. eliminating almost all small motors, all small like, motors, yeah. you know, your lawnmower. Mm-hmm. It's not two stroke. It's still four stroke. Mm-hmm. It still is going to be probably mm-hmm. taken off on the chopping block. Yeah. I did hear that they aren't eliminating like a larger generators that most houses use like, like large generac because those I believe are propane powered. Okay. A lot of those. So if it's a propane powered, it's going to be all right. But if you're using like the old, the smaller Honda Mm three thousands or whatever, then you're not going to be able to supposedly that's what I've heard. And I'm like, after kind of living through and seeing the disaster management side of what just happened, I have completely moved flop sides here and I'm like letting that bill pass the way it's written right now is going to kill people. Um, they're the mm-hmm. mountains, the Sierra Nevadas are not ready. PG and E does not have the electrical infrastructure set up for that bill to pass yet. No, um, kind of the good news that has come about from all of this PG and E has now committed to burying a massive, massive amount of power lines rather than having them up on power poles through communities. I've always, and this is way off in blue sky, right? Uh But I've always wondered why they don't build a big culvert underneath all the roads, right? And then run (laughs) run water and electrical Uh and sewage and everything in this like culvert Mm -hmm. that has a few entry points and then you can just you go because the roads are going places mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and they're running telephone lines along the roads mm-hmm. why don't we just shove everything underneath the road i know it's like <laughs> yeah can't do uh-huh. that the roads are there and you know it screw everybody up yeah. and you know i've always just been like but the space is there yeah you know it's like you don't i mean they're already putting everything in the ground mm-hmm. underneath the roads a lot of water mains in cities are built that way yeah, water and, and, and sewage, sewage. Yeah. yeah are built that way right so if you made it big enough that you could put people into mm-hmm. though, you could run 
and then they could do their maintenance and whatever, mm-hmm. and they just yep. go down into the culvert and yeah. do their maintenance, and you don't have to rip open a road to do anything. Yeah, I agree. And uh, a major part of the problem is having a, a capitalism society, a capitalist economy, because then it's like, well, who pays for all of that yeah. then, and who's who's responsibility to pay for? But <laughs> you do, yeah. Um, and so that is one of the benefits of running a socialist economy is that the government, it's automatically on the government. Yeah. There's no question about who has we, to pay for it. We need, but we need the, what it was it called? This, the solar, the fucking solar panel driveways or whatever they call the solar it. panel drive. Like the Have driveway you seen made those? out of solar panels. Huh? Yeah, no, it, I mean, it was a, it wasn't, it was a funny video. Okay. Uh, but it was all, it was serious. Okay. They made these like foot by foot, uh, you know, 12 inches by 12 inches solar panels, tiles, okay. tiles made out of with thick glass on top of them or some mm-hmm. plexiglass or something. And then they interconnected them yeah. and they laid them down to make roads and they had like little grippy things in them and everything. Yeah. So it wasn't uh-huh. like smooth, <laughs> yeah. but and I don't know if it would have worked during the storm, mm-hmm. but there, the, so it makes the whole entire road, a solar panel. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. And it had light diodes in it. So then you could make it, you know, put the lines on the road or make turning on uh, the road, change the change road the, structure. Yeah. I guess, you could literally how, move yeah. the center line of a road over or huh. whatever. They were talking about how, if you like put it over a bridge, you could mm-hmm. like when it's rush hour, you could shrink yeah, one, side one side and the other. open the other That'd side. Be interesting. But it also had, because it was solar panels, they had um, heating elements inside of it. So okay. it would try to help melt snow. Gotcha. When, when snow and st- ice happened on it. That is interesting It was a concept. really, really cool yeah. idea, but I, it's, you know, one of those yeah. too expensive to do. Yeah. I projects. think, I think that there's a, so many different neat ideas and I'm, I'm a big believer in people coming up with really cool ideas and the ability for, for the human species to do that. Um, we're just, we're not there yet. No. And, um, there, there's a few things that, you know, are going through legislation right now that you're like, Oh my God, this was just a huge eye opener that <laughs> of, of, yeah. of the problems and how the infrastructure really is up and down. The infrastructure may work great for these bills in the Bay area and Los Angeles. Yeah. But not in mountain. Not towns. In, yeah. You're going to kill somebody up in the mountains very yeah. quickly by doing that. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there, you know, you could probably get rid of the electric uh, lawn mowers mm-hmm. or I mean, uh, you know, gasoline lawn mowers or gasoline yeah. chainsaws and these, all these yeah. other ones. But when there's no power, you're not going to clear a tree. Yeah. You know, in the, up in yeah. the mountains, uh-huh. you know, so I, yeah, I don't think it's, I think it's a good move, but I don't think it's like get rid of everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it's like, okay, yeah, you live in suburbia, go get an electric lawnmower, mm-hmm. but you live and, up in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. You still need your chainsaw. Yeah. And that's kind of where the, the, the benefit of, you know, have being able to let counties decide their own legislation and kind yeah. of thing. But then you go from county to county and it's like having a muddled law enforcement between from county to county. Um, we'll take our county, mm-hmm. Placer County. I mean, there's a chunk of us that are down in the Valley and then mm-hmm. there's a chunk of us that are, you know, our County goes all the way to Nevada. Yeah. You know, so that they, we have that huge chunk of the Sierra Nevada yeah. mountain range in there, you know, so it'd be an interesting question to even ask our County where yeah. you like, you get the people like, I think even Roseville, I think is probably the, one of the larger cities in Placer County. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them would probably be like, yeah, we don't necessarily need a, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, what's the word? Gas powered. Yeah. Gas powered. Mm-hmm. Lawnmower. 
a landscaping. The, the one, the thing that makes electricity. Now I want to say a compressor. Generator. Thank you. Generator. Gotcha. Okay. We yeah. don't need gas powered generators, yeah. but then you get all the people up in the mountains, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, yeah, we do. Yeah. I did last month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting situation. eye opening. And I, I think it's going to hopefully pave the way for the talks to happen, right? And the discussion to happen. So anyways, I wanted to touch on that because I have had people reaching out and saying, Hey, I'm just now learning about what was going on up in the Sierras a couple weeks ago. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Fucking disaster. It's been crazy. But, um, Anyways, so um, yeah, just wanted to kind of give a shout out to Wheeling Wine and Whiskey for having a couple of really good episodes there. Um, talk about that. Let's see. What else did I have on my uh, well, list Since here? we're giving shout outs to Wheeling Wine and Whiskey, let's mm-hmm. also... I do, we don't want to give them too many shout outs. But <laughs> they did have an excellent episode many years ago or a year or so ago about prepping for King of the Hammers and they did revive, yeah. they did bring it back up for whatever the episode number was between Christmas and New Year's. Gotcha. They repeat repeated an episode. And I don't know, they said start at like 30 minutes in mm-hmm. because that's when it actually, they start talking about uh-huh. the prep. But there are a, a lot of good ideas a in really that good episode. Tips in there. So yeah, if it's your first time gonna, thinking about going to King of the Hammers, go listen to that episode. Gotcha. Um, yeah, definitely go listen to that episode. We have a, we have our whole King of the Hammers month that we're doing here for everybody. So hopefully you guys are enjoying that. We have another really fun episode and interview scheduled for you coming out on Monday. Yes, we do. Um, one thing that, uh, kind of, I thought about, um, based on one of their tips for King of the Hammers, which is the, the phone screen, right? Yeah. So put a contact phone number as your home screen on your phone of somebody that can get your phone or you can you the person that finds your phone can contact to get your phone back to you kind of thing. Don't put yes. your phone number on the screen. Correct. There's another good tip for um, if you are need search and rescue or you're in a situation where you need search and rescue that you can do with your phone that I'd never occurred to me until just recently heard it. And I was like, that's genius. Uh, you can get your GPS coordinates from your phone without any cell service, right? Correct. So you pull up your map application, usually just Google maps and tap and hold on the screen and it'll drop a pin on the screen and show you your GPS coordinates at the top in the browser screen, right? Correct. Take those GPS coordinates and set to them as your voicemail. That way, anybody who calls you, will get your voicemail and then they will know exactly what your GPS coordinates are. How do you, how can you set, if you don't have service, how do you set your voicemail? So that's the key, right? You have to be able to hike to a place. Usually mountaintops, you can get service. Okay. So you hike to a mountaintop, get your voicemail set. This really helps out in more situations where your battery is dying and you can't recharge your battery. So um, set your voicemail with your GPS coordinates and then you can almost shut off your phone and save it for an emergency kind of thing and then hang out at those GPS coordinates. Yeah, don't <laughs> Go leave. Go into survival mode, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I thought that That's, was a really good tip. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, so me, let's start with um, some of the things I've been doing here. Um, my last weekend was kind of fun. I got to um, do some work on the camping trailer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I finally started digging into I that. I finally got a, a peek at it today. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a peek on the inside. I only no. got saw the outside, but it's actually smaller than I thought it was. Uh-huh. It's fairly pretty small. Um, and so 
the big things I need to do in order to get it ready for hammers is to make it so that I can sleep in it comfortably and to get it fully weather sealed, weatherproofed. Um, and is it not, not quite. Oh. And, um, the other thing is to, uh, I wanted to close up the wiring in the back door that opens up. Okay. So, um, I, in order to get it comfortable to sleep in, it's a little too short on the inside. So the, it's five, it was five, eight on the inside from the bottom of the shelves to the end of the trailer on the inside. And I'm six foot three, six foot four. So I needed to take, you know, you need to make a foot cubby (laughs) Uh (laughs) out of the shelving. Um, and so luckily the guy that the previous owner, he designed the shelving that it just kind of sits in there and then he screwed it down to the floor. And so I pulled all the shelving out and just cut, (laughs) you know, seven inches off off. of it. Yeah. Um, and then put it back in. And so that gave me the space I needed and it should all work out really well. Um, and then the next thing was I needed to tackle, um, hiding the wiring. Um, in order to hide the wiring, I wanted to put a, uh, essentially a, a wall up so that the exterior panel of the door and the inside skeleton steel tube structure is not showing, but I needed to add more structure on the interior because they essentially just made one giant rectangle for the door, one giant square, and then put a one by two tubing down the center of it and then had the two corners held together by a tensioned wire. Oh, interesting. So that helped keep it all square, right? Yeah. Um, That's the back door. That's the back door that opens up. Okay. And so um, I was like, well, I don't want, I want to hide all the wire and all the wiring for the, the lights, the brake lights, the turn signals, everything um, was all just kind of exposed right there, hanging there. Got it. And I was like, well, I want to kind of like get this back in there and complete the wall. Um, but I also need to add more structure so that I can attach things to the wall when I comes time to build out the interior of the trailer. So um, I welded up um, some three quarter inch tubing, square tubing, um, in between the center support and the outer supports. And I did six of those three on each side. Oh, wow. Okay. And so now I have something to, uh, screw into. And the idea is I'll use a self tapping screws, um, to mount things to that wall in the future. So I've made the top so that I can put an awning up there in the future. So when the doors open, we could throw out an awning and have a covered work area. Um, and then I also put in, um, ones in the middle and at the bottom so that I can add, um, fold down counter space, fold down counters, and then whatever else we want to put on there, blah, blah, blah. So, um, in order to do all that, I had to get redo the wiring. So I had to cut apart the whole wiring harness and redo all the wiring back there in order to get it hidden back in the door. So I got all that done. Um, the pins for the door tend to rattle and, they're at tension. So once they're kind of locked into place, there's a pin going up through a tab and a pin going down through the bottom at the tab and they're spring loaded. So, um, but the door is at tension. So as the door kind of rattles, the pins work themselves loose. Oh, that's not good. And then the door eventually falls open. The back door. <laughs> the back door does, oh, yeah, which is not good. No. Um, and so the previous owner had fixed that by every time he closed up the doors, he zip tied them to make sure that they wouldn't, the pins wouldn't work themselves open. Yes. And I was like, why don't you just 
drill a hole through the pin and put a little cotter pin in there. <laughs> so that's what I did. Nice. And I was like, God, I love drill presses. These things are amazing. Right. Um, and so I did that. That's all set up, ready to go now. Um, so pretty much all I need to do is now add the interior wall finish to the back door to hide officially all the wiring in place, mark where the supports are. So I know where they're at from looking at it. Um, and then I think the trailer is pretty much going to be ready to go to build out the interior, but at least it'll be ready to go to take down the hammers. Oh, the other thing I needed was, um, the top, uh, edge around the door was like just, it's just kind of a gap that goes into the, the trailer. And so, when it rains, um, water kind of drips and comes around that cat, that gap, and then kind of follows the interior, um, angle roof there. And I'm like, well, that's not good. So I added, I took a, uh, you know, five foot long section of angle iron and put it up there and welded it at a slight angle. So it creates a drip point that's over the beyond the door. Okay. So now, um, we shouldn't ever get water, kind of dripping or trailing into the trailer from there. Excellent. So I think it's all set. The trailer is all set, ready to go for hammers. Now I just need to set up Kermit to um, be able to tow the trailer and that's getting a drop hitch and setting up the trailer wiring and the trailer brake. So um, uh, that was fun getting to do and kind of finish and work on that. The secretary's job now is to paint the trailer. So she's going to have fun painting. Interior and interior. Just the exterior. Outterior. The outterior. The outterior. Yeah. <laughs> outterior. yeah. So she's going to um, get the trailer painted um, here over the next couple of weeks. Um, also, this last weekend, I went and took a shooting class. Yes, you did. So it's, a, it's more of like a, a firearm safety and um, kind of comparison, a uh, firearm comparison class. So the guy had like 15 to 20 handguns, pistols that he brought out. And the goal is to teach you how a firearm works and then let you sit there and go through all the the handguns to figure out, you know, what caliber do you want? um, What feels comfortable to you by changing this variable about a gun, whether it's barrel length or weight or the size of the gun or a shorty or a, a single stack or double stack, how all these variables impact you as the shooter. Um, and so, um, I went into that class thinking I was going to want a 40 caliber 1911 for, for my first pistol. Okay. And I came out of it. That's a big one. It is a big one. Um, because my thinking is I want a pistol so that I can, um, take down wildlife. Um, and while I'm out camping and hiking around by myself or, people who are so drunk and belligerent, they don't listen to reason or something like that. So, um, whereas the secretary wants one for more of a home defense kind of thing. So after kind of going through everything, um, I'm leaning more towards an XD nine millimeter, four inch barrel. Um, and, but I still want to go out and compare it to a couple of dingle, double single, uh, six hours and, uh, um, essentially the same equivalent, gun in a six hour as the, the XD nine millimeter. So, okay. Yeah. But a nine mil. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, nothing really stops a bear, but a nine yeah. mil won't <laughs> even like, like go through the skin. Um, it probably will, but it probably would. It won't go through a skull. No, probably not. Um, well, I don't know. It depends on how many times you can hit it. Right. Yeah. So the whole thing that I noticed was with a nine millimeter, I was able to shoot, um, 
bunches within about a three inch diameter from about 25 feet out. Okay. With the 40 caliber, that accuracy went out to about a 12 inch diameter just. And so I just being a new shooter, I can't handle the recoil of the 40 caliber. Yeah. So, um, statistically, um, you have about, you miss about 30% of the shots you take, um, in a defensive situation. So with a nine millimeter, you know, considering you have a clip of 10 rounds, you're going to miss three of those and you're going right. to make seven, seven of them Okay. with a 40 caliber and having to deal with the recoil. Um, am I going to make is now my miss percentage going to go up to 50 to 60% misses. So essentially how many more rounds am I going to land by having dealing with a recoil that I can manage in a fast amount of time yeah. in a rapid fire situation than trying to deal with a 40 caliber. And yeah, but you might only need to land one with the 40 caliber where you need to land four with a nine. It's a good question, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and I don't have that answer. Yeah. Um, and then the other big thing was, you know, whatever gun we get, um, the secretary needs to be able to handle it too. And the 40 caliber was, slightly too much for her to be able to handle. So figure I can pop off way more rounds accurately with the nine millimeter and it's something that she can also handle. So, okay. um, cool. yeah, anyways, we're, we're still looking and doing some more exploration on that front, um, before we settle on one, but that yeah. was a really eye opening class and I highly recommend anybody out there. Um, if you are interested in something like that, let me know in the Sacramento area. There's a great guy that, that teaches all that. So I think it's a good experience just to have your hands on a bunch of guns and see how mm-hmm. they all work and mm-hmm. function and feel, yeah. you know, just even changing the grips are like ma- like massively different, you mm-hmm. know, and change the whole entire gun and the weight and the feel of it. Yeah. You know, so it, it'd be neat to, you know, to some extent to have like, Oh, here's five of the same gun, but they have different angle and length mm-hmm. grips. Yep. You know, it's just, I think that's really cool that, you know, it's like you got to try a bunch of different ones. One yeah. time I was in Vegas and on a bachelor party and we went to this shooting range and they had like 40 fully automatic guns that you got to play with, <laughs> you know? And I was uh-huh. like, I've always wanted to shoot an Uzi. Do you have yeah. Uzis? And they're yeah. like, yeah, we do, you <laughs> yeah. know? And then, you know, and he's like, you had to pop off one or two rounds, like showing that you could hold it. And then mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, go for it. Fully auto, you know? <laughs> and it was just at that because they're nine mils too. Uh-huh. It's uh, like you can just hold that with one hand uh-huh. shooting auto, you know? And I'm like, wow. Yeah. No wonder people in movies go out there with, you know, <laughs> one in each hand, you know, it's like, yeah, Dual that, was, Uzi, yeah. that was a fun class. I got to shoot some like world war two, like, um, guns from Russia, mm-hmm. you know, that had like the magazine stuck into the side of the gun. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. <laughs> nice. So that was a fun experience. And then, we get to um, Kermit. Okay. So, so have you built the drop hitch or done the wiring? Nope, I haven't oh. done that. Um, I had my referee appointment this morning. Yes, you did. And yeah. um, they didn't even test him. Why not? Because he started spewing fuel <laughs> out of his evap canister. Again? Again. Yep. So they were just kind of running it to let the engine warm up. Um, and, uh, they immediately had to shut it off and was like, oh my God, why is there fuel pouring out of your engine bay? And I'm like, fuck an A really? And so, um, sure as hell, it started spewing fuel out of the evap canister and again, and out of the vent tube. 
And I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. I went and popped the the gas cap and sure as hell, it was highly, I don't know if it was a positive pressure or vacuum pressure. Um, so I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on with it. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I called a buddy who, who, you know, he's a, he's an ASC certified mechanic and he's a manager at a, a string of shops in the Sacramento area. And I was like, off top of your head, does this sound like anything? He goes, yeah, um, your purge valve is bad. He goes, if you have a, a your your EVAP canister purge valve, they're named a bunch of different stuff across the different manufacturers, but essentially that's what it is. Um, is the valve is not actuating, and if it locks closed like that, then you will get a high idle as well as um, it pressurizes your system because it's not able to purge pressure that's being created. Um, and um, if it, you know, pressurizes enough, then fuel will come out your vent line wow. because it's not venting and, and purging properly. Okay. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, so supposedly, I know. It, yeah. So it's only been a little amount of time since that happened. Have you had a chance to look into the valve? I haven't yet. That was okay. going to be, um, this afternoon after yeah. we're done recording here, I'm going to go try and find hunt down a valve in the Sacramento area. Um, good luck and see if I can find one, um, today swap it out. But, um, while I was there, I kind of talked to the referee guy and I was like, man, that sucks. And I was like, did you get a chance to kind of eyeball and look over everything else? And he goes, yeah, I did. And I said, okay, what are your, what are your thoughts on the referee side of stuff? <laughs> you know, does do, by looking at it, do you think there's anything else I'm going to have to do? And he goes, I don't think so. It looks like you've done everything we've asked you to do. He said, as long as you bring it back and you pass emissions, you should be good to go. Okay. So I'm like, all right. So, <laughs> so that's a, did you set another appointment? I uh, no, I have to call in and do that. So no. yeah. Um, so anyways, I want, but yeah, I've, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> yeah. If I can't, if I can't get it smogged before hammers, if I can't get it refereed before hammers, then I'm not going to drive Kermit all the way down to Johnson Valley. Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah. Um, I would, I don't mind driving him around, you know, up here to and from local trails kind of thing. As long as I have my paperwork on me, I know that everything's good, but, um, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But, um, I talked with, uh, Dylan, Mm -hmm. one of our listeners and he's like, yeah, no problem. We can easily get Kermit's, um, D pillar all situated and um, back to good and at least get your tailgate functioning before hammers. Oh, wow. Okay. So the goal is I need to get that purge valve done, see if that fixes it, um, and then um, get the D pillar fixed before hammers as well. Wow. Okay. So that's uh, good luck. And then get the drop hitch and the trailer wiring and everything set up. Yeah, with the brake <laughs> systems. So we have about, we're about two and a week, half weeks out here before hammers. Um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really have, I don't, I still have yet to figure out what I'm going to take down there, whether it's um, just uh, Charlotte or I'm taking Clifford and Bobcat. Mm-hmm. I don't, last time I went down there, I really didn't drive. I did, I pulled Bobcat off for like one day. Mm-hmm. It was on the trailer, like, the mm-hmm. whole entire time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, the day of the big race, I took Bobcat off the trailer and drove him around. Mm. So I'm kind of like, do I really need yeah. to have Bobcat down there? You mm-hmm. know, because we, I, you know, we do a, actually business and work down there. Yeah, we do. 
It's not so much like, let's go hang out at Chocolate Thunder. Let's go hang out at Backdoor. Let's go over here. Let's go over there. You know, it's, you know, we were running around and doing some interviews and I might have one or two interviews lined up already. Um, and then you're going to be in your booth, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know, uh, what I'm going to take down there. If I do take Clifford though, I do want to do, um, a massive fluid swap. Uh, like I want to change yeah. its oil. I want to change its transmission fluid. I want to change the rear diff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've done any of those since like last Moab trip, you uh, know, so, or at least I did an oil change, but I haven't done anything else. Gotcha. So I want to get all those done. If I'm going to take Clifford, um, probably do an oil change on Charlotte if I take Charlotte, but I don't think it needs anything else. Gotcha. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Race KOH prep 2022. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Heavily underway for the Our, uh, crew. I, I'm dropping this on you live right here on the podcast. Are okay. we going to do a meet, uh, meet in, meet up at some point? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we should do it at the Morflate booth. I'm yeah. <laughs> we'll have meetups going on the whole week then. <laughs> yeah. But so. I think it'll draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, figure out a time and a place. So I'll, mm-hmm. or the, or the, the date and the time, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and we'll inform everybody about where to hang out with us. Maybe we could like buy like six or seven dang pizzas. Maybe. And have them at the Morflate booth and people can stop by and grab some pizza. So yeah, yeah, I like it. Cool. I like it. Um, for sure. Let's, uh, yeah. Hammer down to Hammertown. Yeah. <laughs> Got a couple, a few more episodes here before we're down in the lake bed. Um, so, uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying all the content that we're bringing out to your ear holes. Um, stay tuned for Monday's episode. Going to be with a fun duo and that's all we're going to tell you. So how can people get a hold of us, Jimmy? Yeah, you can email us, Jimmy or Tyler at snailtrail4x4.com. You can find me on Instagram, snailtrail4x4. You can find Tyler over at 4x4 Toyota Tyler. You can also phone in at 916-345-4744. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also check out our other um, adventures with Morflate and at Morflate on Instagram mm-hmm. and uh, Snail Armor and at Snail Armor on Instagram as well. Cool. I like it. Uh, lots of good ways to get a hold of us. We love hearing from you guys. So definitely reach out. And with that, Mr. James, do you have any final words for all the listeners out there? I finally put the cat underneath Bobcat. <laughs> and with that, my friends, keep crawling. I got one for you. I am ready. What did the grape say when he got pinched? Ow. Nothing. He let out a little whine. (laughs) That's a good one. I like that one. Our friends over at Wheeling Wine and Whiskey might like that one too. Even though I know they don't like your jokes. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. (laughs) 